Um, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. I want to welcome those of you who are in person. Every week for the last three weeks, we have grown in attendance. Like since Labor Day, it's been like crazy what God is doing. Uh, yeah, let's just celebrate that. Um, and I want you to know if you are here in person or if you're watching online, I want you to know that God is just at work. He, he doesn't, God doesn't just work inside just a building. God can work wherever. And so wherever you're listening to this message, if it's a few weeks later, uh, God's going to get the credit. He's going to get the glory. And so uh, if you're watching from home and you can be here, and you can, you're able to come in the next few weeks, we'd love to have you. We'd love to see you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Let me ask you, are you ready to get into God's war this morning? Yes, I love the energy. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And um, the verse that we're going to look at today, it is, it's an interesting verse because it's, when you read it, it's like, okay, there's nothing new here. There's not, you know, what, what's good? I mean, what's, what's the point? But I, my hope is that there will be a thought. And here's my prayer, that there will be a thought that will remain in your mind and heart. And that you will be a different person, and not just in your own life, but because of the message that we hear today, you will actually do something different than that you have done that you have not done before. So we're in Mark chapter one, verses one through eight, and um, you know I was thinking as I was getting ready for the message, I was thinking if you're a, a rational human being, you're you're constantly asking questions. I mean, have you ever thought about? Like all the questions that you've asked, like all of your life, from the time that you were just a little toddler learning to talk and you were discovering the universe around you. Any of you guys have kids? Like remember when they were little and they would ask you, know, they would ask you a question and you would tell them the answer and then they would follow it up with another one. And like if you're like me, you probably made your parents a little bit like, okay, that's enough. You know, like you ask what or why. And then, you know, then it's like, but then they follow it up with, you know, what or where or when. And if, if you're like me, you're just full of questions. I love asking questions. I think that one of the things that can make us better people is when we ask the right questions. If you ask the right questions, you usually get the right answers. And in life, you can ask all kinds of questions. Sometimes you ask deep theological questions. Especially in moments of confusion, in moments when, when just life is just not working out the way that you want it to work out, you ask, it's those moments when you ask deep, sometimes they're like theological questions, and you, you even in, in your relationship with the Lord, if it's real, you're like, okay, God, like, I don't get this, what's the point, are you even, I mean, are you even there? And you don't, sometimes in moments of difficulty, in moments of pain, we ask some difficult questions. Sometimes we ask questions when someone has done something that has hurt us. Or someone has said something, that we, someone we love, they did something, they said something, and we don't understand. Like, wh- how, could, how in the world, why in the world would you do something like that? What were you thinking? And those are um, difficult questions that we ask at times. 
And then there's another set of questions. This is when we're frustrated, right? Like you're on your way to work. There's a ton of traffic. And it's like, why is there always traffic when I'm in a rush, you know? Or you're dealing with someone at, at the office. And then, you know, somehow you have this huge mess. It always ends up in your lap. And it's like, okay, why me? Why do I have to be, you know, you're just frustrated. You're just asking, why can't life be a little bit easier? Why can't they be easier? And you get, you get a little bit just a little fluster, if you could just stop for a moment, if you could hit the, the pause button of your life and just long enough to think and to ask yourself, what is the, like, the top three questions that you've ever asked yourself? What would that be? Like, the, like if you could rate them, I mean, of all the thousands of questions you've ever asked, when you were a kid, as an adult, as a teenager, you know, when you were in college, if you gather all the questions, what would you say are the, like the top three questions that you've asked yourself, most important questions you've asked yourself? I had someone that texted me those questions uh, earlier, and I would love, I'm just so curious, I would love to know what those questions are for you. You know, you, you've heard that insightful people are not always the people that have the right, they're not always the first ones to get the right answers. People with insight and wisdom, they're the people that will constantly throughout their lives are asking the right questions. So you're in a conversation with them and it's not about them. They're not trying to talk. They're not trying to, you know, give their opinion. No, they're, they're listening and they're constantly asking questions. Today we're going to begin a new series. It's called Marked. Marked. Uh, it's based on the Gospel of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. But Mark basically teaches us how to follow. He teaches us what a true follower of Christ looks like. Because I think there's a lot of bluff out there. There's a, a lot of, you know, you may, you may think that, you know, like people have it all together and whatnot. But the truth of the matter is when you look at Christianity... There is a lot of people that say one thing, they do another thing. And so this series, we're going, to, we're going to learn what it looks like to follow, to be a true Jesus follower in our world today. I believe that if you're a true follower of Christ, your life has been marked. Uh, I, I talked about in the earlier service, uh, Vivian, our worship leader, she got a new tattoo. She'll be coming back in the next few weeks. Um, she got a beautiful tattoo, and uh, she spent like, I don't know, like seven, eight hours to get it, and she's a lot more brave than I am. I don't think that I could have done that, but she was just telling us a little bit about it and all the details and how beautiful it is, and I was thinking about this series, and I thought, you know, that's how it is. If you're a, if you're a Christ follower, this is not about religion. This is not, I'm not asking you to join a denomination. I'm not asking you to, I'm not even asking you to join LifePoint. I'd love for you to come. Man, I'd love to be your friend. But this is so much greater than that. Because if you are a true follower of Christ, wherever you're at, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, whether you're listening to this message, your life has been marked by His grace. Your life, if you're a follower of Christ, your life has been marked by his love, by his forgiveness. It's not going anywhere. And so Mark is not just like, this is not just history. This is not just some, something that like, oh, you know, we're, we're reading history. Mark has like, you know, eyewitness accounts. Like he knew Jesus. Like he, he knew people that knew him. And so the account that we're going to read this morning 
It's like firsthand information about Jesus Christ. We're talking about asking questions. He asked three questions, and he answered them for us. Number one is the first question he asked in the Gospel of Mark. He says, who in the world is Jesus? It's a great question to ask. Not what does religion say, not what does the church say, but who is, like, who is a person of Jesus? Because regardless whether you're a Jesus follower or not, our world has changed because of, I mean, the, you look at your time, right? Like the day on your calendar changed because of his life. And so, so the question is, who in the world is Jesus? Great question to ask. The second one he says is, why in the world did he come? And like, what's his life all about? And the third is, what does it mean to follow him? Like, what does it really mean, right? It's not about checking boxes. It's not about tithing. It's not about attendance. It's not, what does it really, like, what does this guy that, that has, like, direct contact with Jesus, like, like, he knew him, what does he say about the person of Jesus? And so that's what we're going to look at. So we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, okay? Give me a thumbs up if you're there. Everybody there? Mark chapter 1, if you've left your Bibles at home or whatever, that's fine. Most of the verses will be on the screen. If you don't have the Bible app, I encourage you to download it. Mark 1, verse 1 says this. Watch this. Again, when you read it, like nothing new, you're going to think, okay, I've heard this before. Not a big deal. But I hope that we can, I hope that we can make a little bit more sense of this we can be reminded of the power behind these words it says this this is the good news about jesus the messiah the son of god now notice that right off the bat first verse mark does not begin with the birth narrative of christ which is interesting he just jumps right into uh this verse and he says this is a good news he he really he launches immediately into a declaration of christ's identity who is Jesus? Why did he come? What does it mean to follow him? And what you're going to do if you come the next five weeks, what you're going to find out is that Mark, Mark gives us real answers. It's not the, the t- stereotypical church, churchy answer. Like he tells, you, he tells us in tangible ways who Jesus, who the person of Christ is, not in, a, not in, a, in an abstract theological way, like in a, some sort of philosophical way. No, he's going to tell us who Jesus is in a real, down-to-earth, genuine, practical way. Like I was reading this morning, I got up probably around four in the morning, and I had not read through the whole gospel, but I just, of Mark, says, you know what, I just want to read it. I mean, the message is ready, everything's good. I just want to just see, like, just the overall, like, how he's writing. And what I picked up this morning was, it's like, it's all Jesus in action. Like, there's no bluff, there's no editorial comment. Like, if you read the gospel, and I hope that you would do that. I hope you would join us for the next few weeks and just read through the whole thing. Super easy to read. Download the Bible app, eat the New, New, New Living Translation. You can read it in a few hours. If you want to know who Christ is, don't just take my word for it. What, what I picked up this morning, it wasn't a plan of the message or anything. It was like Jesus in action. So he's writing to the, the Roman believers. Like when you think of Roman citizens in that day and age, you know, I always think of Roman soldiers. These are like, I think of the Colosseum. I think of these like people of action. And that's what, that's what he does. It's like every story is Jesus in action, Jesus on the move. Like the whole book is full of adventure, full of, of healing and strength to overcome the evil forces and the evil people that were working for the Roman Empire. That's the whole book. So what you see is that Jesus is loved. 
but he's also hated. He's loved, but he's hated. He, what, what you, when you read through the gospel, you, what you see is that he's respected, but he's also dismissed. People followed him, people unfollowed him. And it was extremes, and it's similar to our world today. There's usually like one extreme or the other. Like there's not like, it's hard to find just like, just down to earth, just re- you know, regular people. They're not just one extreme or the other. And so Mark, what he does, he, he puts in front of you the person of Christ time and time again until it's impossible to be neutral about Jesus. And you have to respond. You have to respond to who he is, what he says about you, You have to respond to what he has done, and you have to make a decision whether you're going to follow him, whether you're going to face the cross or not. But I tell you this, you read the gospel, and you can, you'll have to make, you cannot be neutral. You cannot say, oh, you know what, I'm not just going to, no, no, you're either on one end or the other. 13 words, look at it one more time with me. I know we're used to just reading this. I know it's just like, oh, yeah, if you've been to church for a, a period of time, like this just becomes, it's just, no, this is what the preacher says. You, know, it's just, you just hear it so much, but listen to it. This is the good news, he says, about Jesus, the Messiah. The Messiah, the Son of God. He's not, you know, I, I, would, I would argue that these 13 words cut a slice right down the middle of humanity. I don't think he could have been any more radical. Think about it. Because these 13 words, if you believe them, man, they have changed your life. You're a different person. This speaks the, the gospel, the Messiah, the Savior. You believe those words, they speak to your greatest needs, your greatest dreams, your deepest desires. But there's two camps. You're either on the camp where you say, you know what, I believe it. Or you're, you're either on the other camp where you say, you know what, I'm not so sure. It's kind of like, you know, I think that guy is probably delusional, ridiculous. There's no neutral space. And what I love about the way he begins is that he doesn't allow you to... He, he speaks about creation right off the bat. In fact, some translations use the word beginning, in the beginning. Um, and... You know, when and everything was screwed up by Adam and Eve and sin came into the world and it was broken, things is a mess, you know. Like, like what Mark is saying is like, he's saying like, God didn't just sit back and just, just relax and it's like, okay, you guys screwed it up. You know, I, when I created, we talked about, you know, creation a few weeks ago. God didn't just look at Adam and Eve and when sin comes into the world, it's like, okay, you know, you're on your own now. Figure it out, you know. I told you not to do that. I told you we're going the wrong way. No, 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 no. What Mark is saying is, he's saying there is hope. You're not alone. Like there, is, like there is hope for you. God did not just sit back and let the world be totally ruined. And I know that things are screwed up, right? A little bit. Like I know that, you know, sin has deceived and damaged and, you know, broken many things, relationships and people and disease and all of that. I get that. But Mark, right off the bat, he says, God intervenes. God sends a Savior. He sends his Son. And this is not just Jesus, the human 
the male human being who was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, whose dad was a carpenter, whose mom was name was Mary. Like no, no, this is not just the the he he, he looks at the humanity of Christ. That's what the whole book is, is about. It's like you could, te- you could see him, you could touch him, like his feet really did touch the, the earth, like this is real. But, but he doesn't just stay there. And he says, he uses that word, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is, the Bible calls him a wonderful counselor. Like if you ever, have you ever been in a, in a spot where you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I have a couple of decisions that I have to make, and they're huge. Maybe they're related to, to your career, a relationship, something you're dealing with, finances. You're like, God, I just need some guidance. I just need somebody to just help me. And, you're, and you, just have, you just want that wisdom. You want that insight. He's a wonderful counselor. He's, what Mark is saying is he's the one. The Bible calls him a prince of peace. You ever dealt with chaos in your life maybe your parents came maybe your family showed up maybe you're dealing with something at work and it's just one thing after the next maybe it's your ex maybe it's your wife or your you know and you're like oh man here comes another one mark says he's like this is the one he's the prince of peace is he comes with the hope of humanity with all of the promises with all of the predictions He's the hope of the world. And he's saying, you know what? God's answer for us is not another set of rules. Like, which you would think that, hey, that's weird in church. You're going to hear some things in church that may, may think that it's weird uh, to hear in church. But God begins this movement, and when you read this, the scripture, what you're going to find out is that it's not about the, I mean, I love, I've lived my life by some principles. But God's answer to humanity was not a moral code, was not some, some, or some form of philosophy. God's answer for the world was his son. It was his own presence through, the, through Jesus Christ. God's greatest gift is God. Now, here's, here's what happens, and I don't know if it happens to you. It happens to me. I hear that, and it's like, okay, I've heard it before. And I'm afraid that these words become way too familiar for us because we've heard them over and over. And the sense of awe, the sense of gratefulness that the Messiah came and that our lives do not have to be totally ruined. And there is hope for it today. Not like there's oh, just, just fire insurance, like, yeah, one day if I believe in Jesus, I'll go to heaven. No, 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 no. Heaven, the kingdom is here. It is at hand. That, that was the message, right? When, when Jesus came, it's not for the future, it's for the now. And so that's the message that Mark is saying. He's like, this is it. This is your chance. But when I hear those words, when I read that verse, where I go naturally is, is like, yep, I've heard it before. Nothing new. Let's move on. And we lose our sense of worship. We lose our sense of gratefulness and our sense of awe. And we lose ourselves at times. If you're not careful, if you let it go for too long, you just lose yourself. Has that ever happened to you? 
It happens to me, and you, you think that, oh, man, that preacher lost his way. Yeah. There's been times when I just go through the motions. Is there another message to preach, another lesson to teach? You know, and my heart is so far from the Lord. My heart is so, um, I wouldn't say, like, ungrateful, like, purposely ungrateful, but it's, it's like, you know, I just, I neglect, I just don't, I take for granted. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And then he introduces us to the movement. Watch this, verse 2. I love this. This is the movement that changed everything. This is the movement that can change your life. Look, verse 2. He says, it began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. So years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet who essentially said, look, there's a guy that's going to come before the Savior, before the Messiah, and he's going to prepare the way. So this is actually John the Baptist, all right? John the Baptist prepares the way of Jesus two different ways. He preaches a mes- message of repentance and forgiveness, and he baptizes Jesus, okay? That's pretty cool. And so Mark says, hey, let me just tell you, we've been talking about this for years, okay? There's this guy, his name is Isaiah. He predicted that Jesus would come, but before Jesus, there's another guy, his name is, is what's his name? John, yeah, John the Baptist, right? He's going to come. He's going to prepare the way. And so now he's saying, this is how it began. It began with Isaiah, the prophet. And he said, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he'll prepare your way. So check, 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 done, done, done. Now look in verse 5. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. We'll, go, we'll come back to that verse in a second. Look at verse 6. This is interesting to me. This is talking about John, okay, the, the person. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. All right, that's weird. Does anybody think that's weird? It's just, just me. All right, what if I show up next week just wearing some... <laughs> I, I would bet you think I'm weird, okay? I don't know if you would come back. He wore a leather belt around his waist, okay, all right, we live in, in Texas, not so weird, I guess. For me, I'm from a little bit more from Florida, so like, uh, that's still a little bit weird. Watch this, for food he ate, what did he eat? Locusts. Now that's weird. <laughs> I don't care who you are, that's weird. And wild honey. This is so strange to me, like this is, can we just admit that sometimes the Bible is a little strange? Can we just agree like that, that this is weird? Like, I don't see a lot of Bible characters eating locusts, you know? I mean, this is our modern-day vegan diet, I guess, <clears throat> for some of, some of you who are on that. <laughs> um, not trying to offend you if you're on a vegan diet. You're, you're cool. <laughs> but let me ask the questions, right? We, we, uh, we were asking questions this morning. Why, why would God raise up a man that is this weird, Right, like he's sending the Savior of the world. Here he comes. We've been waiting for years for the Savior, the Messiah. He's going to come. And he sends John the Baptist with the camel coat, you know, camel hair coat. Like, are you kidding me? Like, why would the guy eat locusts? Why would you not pick someone else? Like, like, why would God allow that? Like, why would he raise such a person to lead the way, to prepare the way for the Savior? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like, I'm, I'm just like, if it's me, you know, I'm, I'm preparing the way, like, I'm going to send someone of influence, right? I'm going to send someone that's like, 
maybe in charge of the temple, maybe somebody that's like a religious influencer, maybe a great communicator. I'm not sending John the Baptist, the guy that eats locusts, okay? I'm not doing that, all right? Notice the movement, verse five. Let's keep asking questions. We ask the right questions, we're gonna get the right answer. Verse five, watch this. All of Judea, that's the region, including all the people of Jerusalem. It's kind of like saying all of, te- all of Texas, including the people of Tyler. And it, notice it says all. This is, not just a sm- this is not a tiny little movement. We're talking hundreds of people, possibly thousands of people. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, God is very clear in pointing that out, went out to see and to hear John. Now, I want you to understand this. The movement of people is out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epicenter where everything, the epicenter of religious affairs. Every year, everybody from all over the world, they would come back to Jerusalem and they would celebrate their feast, the Passover feast. I mean, this was a big deal. Picture the biggest 4th of July that you've ever experienced. Everybody, bigger than our 4th of July because these are people that are coming from different nations, Jewish people that are coming back to celebrate their, their independence from the Egyptians. And so this is, this is a huge deal. All of the people, the movement is out of Jerusalem, away from the epicenter, away from the temple. Okay, nothing like this has ever happened before. The Son of God is about to come, the Savior is coming, and God is flipping the script. And it's not going to be the same way that what you're used to. And then the Bible says that they go out into the wilderness they, to hear God's word, they repent, you know, repent, message of repentance, confessing of sins, forgiveness, all of that. Now let me ask you this. What does that tell you? What does verse five tell you about this movement that God starts? What does it tell you about God's heart, the movement that he begins? I wanna give you three thoughts very quickly. I want you to just think about these, okay? You may agree with me, you may not, but I'm just gonna give them to you and just, these are just mine, my thoughts. Three things, real quick. God has never been about religious institutions. I know that may sound weird coming from the the lead pastor of the church, right? Let's go, okay, that's weird. You're leading a religious institution. But when I read scripture, if, like we're getting down to like business right now, right? Like when you read scripture, we're not talking about denominations, we're not talking about religion, we're not talking, let's read the gospels, okay? When you, when you read it from cover to cover, what you're gonna find out is that God's never been about the religious institution, ever. He's never been about the religious circle. So don't push that on me, Okay? Number two, God has never been about the powerful or the well-resourced. You read scripture, God's never, that's, maybe that's why he didn't pick somebody. Like I would, I would have picked somebody that's an influencer, a great communicator. God's heart, like he has never, you read scripture from cover to cover, he's never been about the powerful. He has never been about the well-resourced. He's never been about the, those who are respected and those who are, you know, the political influencers, the people that have the position of authority, never. And the third, the third point is this, God can use anybody no matter how weird they are. 
Smiley face. <laughs> I'm thankful that he can use anybody because sometimes I l- I'm a little weird. If you have not been able to tell, yes, I am a little weird. Anybody weird in here? Okay, some of you guys, you don't have your hands up. Those are the real weird people, all right? <laughs> We're all weird, right? God can use anybody, regardless of how weird you are. I'm thankful for that, by the way. That's a good, that's, thank you, Lord, and thank you. See, you don't understand how radical this is. This is a stinging indictment of the religious order of the day. This is, like, this, this serves to illustrate that, that there is a system, and God is saying there is a system that it's broken. There is a system that is bad. There is a system that needs to be condemned. It's almost like, like if you can say it like this, God left the building. He left Jerusalem. He left the temple. Not just God, but God's people left. That's how the movement begins. Not in a church building. And God raises someone that's outside of the religious system of the day, outside of the detonant externalism, outside of the spiritual pride, and he calls his people to what humanity needs most. Two things. Repentance, forgiveness, and God's love. He, that's the message. Repent, receive. That's a, that was the message that John gave. It's a message of repentance. Okay, so you own it, and then you receive his love. You can't earn that. Like he's not, It's not a, a work salvation type of, type of scenario. No, no, no. All you have to do is own it. So you own that you, you're flawed, that you, you missed the mark, that you made mistakes, and then you just receive the love. You receive the forgiveness. And so I see John like with his worn-out camel hair coat, you know? He's preaching the gospel, and, you, and I see also the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the wrapping themselves. Jesus said that they would, they had, he says, they would clothe themselves in garments full of self-righteousness and condemnation. So the one is like, you know, just worn out coat, doesn't care about, you know, he's not trying to please anybody. He's just preaching the gospel. And then the other, they're, they're the ones that it's all about the looks, It's all about the outward appearance. And here's a challenge for you and for me. We're almost done. In fact, worship team, you guys get on stage. We're gonna gonna wrap this up here in a minute. The challenge is that it's easy to point fingers. That's always the easy thing to do. You know, the religious leaders, they were fake, the Pharisees, you know, and the people, sometimes we point fingers, right? Right? But you shouldn't read the story without hearing its warning for you and for me. Like we shouldn't read this and just point fingers. We need to really do a little bit of self-reflection because the truth is that externalism, outward appearance, all of that junk is not dead. You turn on social media, it's all over the place. You turn on the news, I mean condemning others, judging others, still exists. So here's, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Let's be the church, okay? Like not, let, not, let, not just go to church, but let's, let's be the church. So here's what we're going to do. Our DLT team, our directional leadership team, we are going for the month of October, 
we're going to go into the community. I know a man needs, there's a man who needs uh, some yard work. Uh, I don't know about his mental health. You know, things are a little bit crazy. Older man, we're going to help him. We're going to, I need a few of you to, on a Saturday, just to get some, some tools and let's just mow his yard. Uh, we, we've adopted two schools, about 140 teachers. Our teachers are going through a rough time right now, right? So let's love on them. Let's just be the church. We can just put some little goodie bags together and love them. I know some people in the medical field. I know some people here. You've been through it this year. I mean, March till now, you know? Like, you know, like, I have to tell you this. So, well, it's October. Like, it's almost October. Let's, let's be the church. Let's leave the building, and let's love some people. It may be a meal. How hard is it? It doesn't, we don't have to overcomplicate it. We can just fix a meal. There are some first responders in our town that we need to go to them. And it's not about the gift. It's not about the meal. It's not about, it's just a simple act of love. Just looking at them eye to eye and saying, not everybody is against you. There's a church in town. And with that word comes a whole lot of baggage. But may we redefine the word. And when we say there's a church in town, may they see Jesus, may they see a new movement out of the building into the community. So the month of October, we're doing it for a month so you have no excuse to sign up. You'll see it on social media. We will send an email out. It'll be on Sign Up Genius. I'm asking you to do one thing and be the church. I love that you're here. I love that you're watching Man, I applaud you for that. You're putting things in priority. But if this is it, we will fall flat to what the movement is all about. And so would you join our leadership team in serving the community? You will have a whole month to love people, to tell people that who Jesus is, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'll close with this. If you look... You'll get a, a t-shirt as, as well. You know, like we're, when we did Share the Love, we give out, every, everybody gets a free shirt. Uh, those are, obviously, we, don't, we can't order. We have unlimited quantities, but first serve, first, you know, whoever serves first gets, gets one. It'll say something like this. The church has left the building. Uh, don't do it for the t-shirt, though, okay? Don't, if that's the motive, then no, don't, don't do it. But I, I want you to see this. If God puts it in your heart, by the way, to give financially, hundred uh, percent of what you give will go to the community. Um, so I want to I want to encourage you: give, share, serve, pray. It's it's what our worship series was all about, right? It's our words, but it's also our actions. Now I want to kind of close with this. Look in verse seven, because the truth is, we can exegete the theology of God's love all we want all day long. We're, I mean, I can do that real good for you, but at the end of the day. We can be so selfish. And I'll put myself, I'll be the first in line to say, you know what? I can be the most selfish person in the world. Sometimes I ignore the needs of people. Sometimes it's all about me. And sometimes I get into these self-beady parties, you know, and it's all about me, 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 me. But the heart of our faith has never been theological knowledge. It's never been the heart of God. So I want you to look at one last thing as we close. Hundreds are coming to hear John. Thousands possibly. Now picture, picture that you're John the Baptist. You have name recognition now. This has never happened before. 
the people are not going to the temple anymore. They're coming to me out like in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the wilderness. I'm baptizing them. If you read scripture, you see that it says they came to hear him. They came to see him. They came to get baptized by him. There's a line waiting for him to be day after day. Talk about getting famous, right? You could say that there was a little bit of a temptation as a human being that John may have said, you know what? Look at me. Look at what I'm doing, you know? Look at what, like, man, you know, I'm patting myself in the back a little. And look at what he says in verse 7. John announced, someone is coming. You can say the same thing. You can say the exact same words because we have a Savior who's coming back who will rescue us, who's going to get us out of the mess. He announced, someone is coming soon. Hey, guys, let me tell you. Someone is coming. I know you're coming to see me. I know you're coming to hear me. I get it. I'll baptize you. I, no, I'm with you. I love you. All of that. But someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. You have no idea how much greater. Amen. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandal. John is saying, like, I'm not, like, if it, like, even if I was a slave, like, tying his sandals, like, I'm not even, see, what John understands is his position. He understands that as people are coming to him, he's like, whoa, 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 because I'm sure the people probably put him on a pedestal. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not me, not me, not me. I don't have the answers. I don't have what, what it takes, what you need. I don't have, I can't, you know, what you actually need. I'm not the, I'm not the mighty one. But there's one that comes who is the mighty one. He's mighty in power and he's mighty in grace and he's mighty in forgiveness. And if you believe in him, like truly believe like your life will be marked just like a tattoo your life will be marked by his grace and his forgiveness and his love and you will be totally different and all the building stuff that's just that's junk because because the power in you when you are empty when you are weak this, this one that's coming, his might in power, his might in redemption, his might in wisdom. And when you're broken, when you're weak, when you're a mess, you need his might. So tap into that. It's not me, not me, not me, not me. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you two questions. Have you placed your faith in him? Like really, 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 like have you, like, have you made a decision in your heart where you say, you know what? This is it. It's not about attendance. It's not about tithing. It's not about you fill in the blank. But you are going in a very real, intangible way in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the difficulties, even if, if it's comfort. In the midst of your comfort, you're going to say, my life is better because of my Savior, and I'm going to give my heart I'm going to put all of my faith in this Savior. Have you done that? If you haven't, would you like to? 
All you have to do is just raise your hand and just tell him. Would you do that right now? Online, would you just let us know? I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else who's here saying, you know what, I want to put my faith in my Savior. Bible says, if you hear his voice today, do not ignore it. Here's the second question. If you're a believer, does your faith shape the way you think about marriage? Does your faith, because I've known a few people who are, they know it all when, as far as it, Jesus and religion and the Bible, but they treat the spouses like garbage. And so the question is, does that belief in Jesus, does it shape the way you think about your marriage? Does it shape the way that you parent? The way that you think about work? Does it shape your dating life? In other words, what are you doing with this Jesus? What are you doing with the movement? Are you just watching? Are you just attending? Or are you a part of it? This is the single most important thought and pursuit of your existence. It defines everything about what you think about yourself, what you think about the world, what you think about other people. The message is a message of repentance and acceptance. Lord, I know I don't have it together. Lord, I receive your love. I am marked by your grace. Would you say this prayer out loud? We're going to close in a word of prayer. If, if you want to give your life to Christ, uh, we would love to continue the conversation. We don't have all the answers, but we're good about asking questions. We're good about listening. So would you just pray this out loud, everybody, whether you're watching at home, whether you're here in the room, would you just say something like this? Lord, may the good news of Jesus Christ unsettle us. Unsettle me. Let's make it personal. Unsettle me. May it give us a lens into the struggles of our own hearts. May it renew in us belief and celebration and worship. We pray these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.